Welcome to One Decent Pastor, a weekly podcast of The Door located in Central Oregon, where three completely average guys join forces to make One Decent Pastor and to discuss, discover, and promote all things Bible. Thanks for joining us today. We got uh, David at the coast and Glenn in David's chair. So yeah. good to have Glenn with us today. Nice to be here. David's away celebrating his birthday. Yeah, he's, uh, he's enjoying his last year in his forties right now. So, yeah. so <clears throat> he's approaching the corner. Of he's about to. Yeah, he's, he's about to approach Dufferland. Yeah. With with me, <laughs> his blinkers on, but yeah, soon it's gonna shut off. <laughs> what is that? Mean? Well, around the corner, <laughs> yeah, oh, going around the corner. Of I, I follow just you. Keeping blinker, yeah, he's in that mode. I was, I was just picturing this guy driving down like the freeway, just with the blinker on indefinitely. Mm-hmm. But that's not what you were getting at. Oh, that's what I thought too. Anyway, yeah. hope you have fun, David. <laughs> if you're tuned in, and. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know what we have to talk about as far as announcements or anything um, going on in our world. Well, Third we Thursday is tonight. Oh, it is. Yeah. Good job. Oh. Barbecue chicken, I think I heard. Is that what it is? Wow. Yeah. Sweet. Nice. Yeah. Somebody sharing a testimony? Yeah. Uh, Brandon Victorino. Nice. We'll get to hear from him. Good. Well, good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's Six o'clock here at the 3R location. <clears throat> Nothing much else. Forward to I don't it. know. Baptism coming up in a few weeks. Well, a month or so. We can bring visitors to that, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, somebody asked us that a while back. I thought you were being funny, but you don't know that. Somebody asked if, uh, like, a family member, can we bring a family member to our baptism? Mm-hmm. And it's like, please. Yeah. 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 That would be fantastic. Okay. So, yeah. The the 11th is going to be the kind of our annual picnic and, and a baptism as well. But, yeah, it's it's pretty much open to anybody. That wants and to I won't be there, actually. Oh. But I'll be in Tanzania. But you're on my visit- way. But you're bringing yeah. visitors? I was going to bring a visitor to the, the, the third Thursday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. that's fine, too. Yeah, of course. In, anything we do is open to okay. anybody. We kind of, yeah. We started out with an us four, no more mentality. And we thought, well, that's not going to work. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, we, we, we enjoy uh, visitors. That's yeah, good. We do. Yeah. Good. I got nothing else. I don't think I have anything else either. Well, you can pray for my, you know, for the trainings in Tanzania coming up, because I'll be gone September 9th. Yep. So we for how long? Just two weeks this time. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pray for what we're going to talk about, and I'll I'll add that as well. So, thank uh, you, Father. Thank you for uh, the time we get to spend together. Pray that this would be a fruitful time, an edifying time, where we uh, build each other up and build up the church as we talk about these things. And we thank you for the work that Glenn does in Africa. And we pray that uh, as this trip is coming up now, that you would uh, prepare the way, uh, that it would be a phenomenal trip, that, that uh, much work uh, for your kingdom would be done, and that you would bless every part of it, Lord. So help it all to come together, and uh, may you be glorified in, in all that goes on today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the big topics for the day are uh, Christian boycotts. <laughs> and then we're going to look at a, a, a hymn that's pretty well known called Come Thou Fount and, and discuss kind of what what's going on in that hymn because I think there's lyrics in it that might be a little bit weird for some people so um, but first Christian boycotts kind of a, a f- interesting topic uh, first off kind of let's define what we're talking about what do we what do we mean when we talk about Christian boycotts or boycotts in general <clears throat> well so some people would say that there are hard boycotts and, and soft boycotts you're, just, you're jumping right in I am I'm just I'm not pulling any punches an inside joke for most of you out there. The vicar, Jordan, <laughs> Jordan, has what he calls soft boycotts and hard boycotts. Soft boycotts are where somebody made him mad 
and he's still going to go back because he likes the food there or whatever. But ah. he's he, in his heart, there's a soft boycott going on, and then there's hard yeah. boycotts, which are you're dead to me. I'm never going again. <laughs> so it depends on the offense and everything. Yeah. But, wow. but he boils them down into those two and, camps. And is a soft boycott really a boycott? It is, but <laughs> but again, he's justified it because he wants what they're offering right. enough to where he, he'll still go. Right. Kind of, kind of silly, but yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, a boycott would be um, you know to to not buy the goods and services of a, of a company or you know participate in something because of whatever your dilemma is if you have a moral dilemma or ethical dilemma or uh, they made you mad and you just weren't happy with their service and you'd say i'm never going to go back there again or well you can't afford them there in the, anyway yeah, or whatever <laughs> yeah so what's the difference like what's a christian boycott then or maybe you can even think of some over the years that have popped up for moral reasons no. yeah yeah it would be for moral reasons um so like I just I, I was thinking about Disney because that's like the, yeah, yeah. the latest one, but I know Starbucks has had those and whatnot, and I think people will boycott for a little while until they start really missing you know the coffee. Yeah, yeah. You know, then they'll keep on going. So that's probably a soft boycott. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of a, a not super formally organized, but somewhat formally organized. You know, where the Christians around the, the country or the world just agree mm-hmm. we're, we're not going to go here. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, I don't know. There's nobody really checking to see who's going and who's not going. But um, are they effective? I mean, why do we why do we do them? That, that's not, the magic question. I think in effective? the long run they are. I'd like to say they are. You know, especially if I could really get behind the cause. But uh, I don't think they are in the long run. Disney's still going strong. It survived the Christian boycott of the 90s. Over the well, when I think of most of know? the ones, the, some of the ones that I remember, you know, there was a Nestle one years ago. There's There was a Target one at one point. There was, you know, all the ones we've mentioned that, you know, they're still yeah. they're still around. Starbucks like, is still making coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know if, you know, I think some people would say that they're, they're effective. But um, I find it ironic. I'll just say that uh, we live right now in, in a time when this thing called cancel culture is real. And uh, a lot of Christians really hate the idea of cancel culture. You know, people are getting canceled mm-hmm. because they make a stand. And, and I think, well, but isn't a Christian boycott? Weren't, weren't we kind of the originators of cancel culture with these Christian boycotts right. in some way? It <laughs> mm-hmm. seems funny to me that, I don't know. It is a good point. It, it's kind of something we've, we've done for years and gotten pretty good at. And then we see it happening on the other side of it. And we're like, right. hey, well, wait a minute. You can't just cancel people because they haven't, you know, it's like, exactly. we, we yeah. did. But we'll even see, you know, kind of more, you know, late, like in, in the last couple of years, you know, you see, um, you know, certain states saying, you know, we're not going to sponsor travel to other states because of, you know, a stance on abortion, for right. example, mm-hmm. or some moral thing like that. So, you know, like the government's like, we're not going to send people to a conference in these other states or Hollywood saying we're not going to make movies in these states right. you know, because of, you know, things like that. Yeah, you kind of throw your weight around yeah. financially usually is what seems to get people's attention more than anything else. Yeah. but. Well, we're going to look at a couple passages and, and try to see if we can um, somewhat think about this from a biblical perspective. Is this something we should be doing as Christians? Maybe something that's not very helpful. And so mm-hmm. the first one is actually 1 Corinthians 5. And, and you've got um, Paul writing to a church that had some, some pretty big problems going on. Um, and he's had to write them to correct some of their bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, 1 Corinthians 5 verse 9 starts out by saying, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. And you can almost hear the boycott crowd getting excited, like, yeah, yeah. we're not, we don't want anything to do with them. We're going to stay away from them. Right. Um, but first, let's kind of maybe define what sexually immoral is when he, when he describes that uh, sexually immoral. What are we talking about? Just so we're all on the same page, because I think that's a confusing term in Christianity today, which I don't think it should be. But Well, sex outside of marriage. 
Yep. And the one case was, you know, pretty specific what they were dealing with in that church. Stuff that even the world was going, that's not right, yeah. which is kind of wrong. But right. I love the simple definition, and it goes right along with what you said, is it's found in 1 Corinthians 7, where Paul actually just lays this out in a very clear and concise way. He says, because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. Mm -hmm. That's what solves the problem of sexual immorality, marriage to, you know. Correct. That's the way the Bible defines it. I know that's not a popular definition, but if, if God's good with it, I'm good with it. And so that's where we're going. So, so Paul tells the church not to associate with sexually immoral people. Right. But then we have to look at what he says in verse 10. He says, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. Mm -hmm. But now I'm writing you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not to even eat with such a one. For what do I have to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So, so what, are, what are the takeaways, or what can we learn from this as Christians here? Not to associate with the sexually moral, especially in the church when you're calling them brother, when they're part of the body. Yeah. There, there's a distinction between inside the church and outside the church for yes. us as Christians, yes. right? And so he's not telling us to, to stay away from those outside the church right. that, that fit those descriptors because there would be nobody with which <laughs> right. to associate, right? But But... It matters for the for the person who says I'm a follower of Christ, mm -hmm. yeah, and lives in a way that's not consistent with being a follower of Christ, and, and it's our job in the church to, to judge that person. I don't mean judge like in a like a punitive sense necessarily, or like like there's a negative connotation to saying that. Yeah, like it's it's our job to look at someone who has an inconsistent testimony, if mm -hmm. you will, yeah. says one thing, lives another way. Mm -hmm. um, like there's just a distinction there. There's something implied here, I think, from, from what he's saying. I mean, should we be surprised when secular, worldly, non-Christian companies <clears throat> act like secular, worldly, non-Christian companies? Should that just shock us to the core? Should we be just offended that Starbucks is, you know, has a cup that doesn't say Merry Christmas on it? <laughs> I mean, I, when the things we get upset about, it's kind of... Yeah, in the article right. that I wrote <clears throat> was talking about, you know, Paul was among the people in Athens, and he said, oh, I noticed that you have this uh, statue to the unknown God. And he could have been repulsed by that and just, what the f you know, forget that. But he actually engaged the culture at that point. And so the darker things get, and the more the world acts like the world, then you could say, well, we have the, the greatest opportunity at that point. Yeah. I would agree with yeah, that. Absolutely. Well, and I think we just we just have to realize that the the world is going to act like not Christian. I mean, there's not. A, I think mm -hmm. because we've lived in in what we thought of as a Christian society, Christian country for so long in America, we've come to expect a general kind of Judeo Christian, right? You know, value system, and and we like that. I like it a lot, yeah. quite frankly. But but generally speaking, Paul's kind of saying, guys, I, you know, you can't disassociate completely with the world, or you won't be able to you know, do anything or go anywhere or buy anything. If, if you have this right. mindset, you know, that's that's going to become a problem for you. So yeah. the world's full of greedy, swindler, <laughs> swindling idolaters. And, you know, this is, we probably aren't going to be able to avoid associating with them. Right. And I think the other implication of that is that, that it's not our job as Christians to be the moral police of the world. Um, you know, it's not our job to, to necessarily, I mean, 
yeah, we make judgments on things that are going on, and, and you know, we take stands for things that we believe are moral and, and right and those kinds of things, but I don't mm-hmm. think that it's our job as Christians to kind of look down our nose at the world for acting like the world. Right. Um, and well, continually again, pointing the finger and saying, you know, you're bad, you're evil, get your act together. Like, that's just not our job as Christians. Yeah, you were going to say something. Well, there's, the, the, there's this sense in which, you know, to be sanctified is to be set apart, is to be distanced from the world, you know, physically yeah. distanced from the world, which is not, you know, the, the definition of being sanctified or being set apart. And I think it goes back to to that, maybe a misunderstanding of what has happened, what people have been taught. Well, to about. live distinctly mm-hmm. as Distinct. salt and light, mm-hmm. as opposed, but we still are living alongside them. So not not this idea like we're gonna go live in a monastery on top of a hill and right. not be around any of those, these, you know, those people. Yeah. We have to associate alongside with people. In fact, this is our mission field, so to, you know, we can't really avoid this. Um, but understanding what changes our morality, what changes our, mm-hmm. you know, the way we, the values we have was the gospel. It, it's the spirit of God within yep. us. That's what fixed us. Yes. And, and a, is a boycott going to fix them? And we'll get more into that in a minute. But let's look at another example. First uh, Corinthians 8. And what we have here is um, there's a, you know, temple worship going on. Uh, there's meat that's being offered to idols. And then when they, when they get done with whatever they're doing with it, they would sell that meat. And you could go and get a, you know, half price steak. Uh, offered to, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, you get mm-hmm. a good deal on some meat. That was causing a problem in the church because there was there was some harsh judgment going on. And so in, in verse 4, um, Paul says, Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. And then he goes on, uh, verse 7, to say, However, not all possess this knowledge. But some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do eat, and no better off if we do. If we don't eat, no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person has destroyed uh, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus sin it against your brother and wounded their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. Yeah, so is, is this an idea of if you have knowledge of it? Like, let's yeah. say you're eating food that was, you know, offered to idols, but you didn't know it. Right. And then all of a sudden you knew. Then that makes a difference, right? Is he making that kind of a distinction? I think so, but I think you've also got this idea of, of a, a business, you know, that, that if you can think of the temple in those terms. With it. And this isn't a Christian temple. This is a pagan temple, just so mm-hmm. I think that's clear. But mm-hmm. um, there's a business going on. So it's a Netflix, it's a Disney, it's whatever. Yeah. And they're doing things that we would consider extremely immoral. And, and, and Paul is saying, it's okay if you go and buy meat there and eat it. That's the that's kind of the part that I was kind mm-hmm. of seeing stand out here. Okay. Whereas what we see now is like, well, Disney they support this, and Netflix just supports this, so we can't spend our money there. And I, I guess you don't see Paul organizing a boycott against the temple and against the meat vendors and against. He doesn't even bring that up. He just said, if you get a good price on meat mm-hmm. and your conscience isn't offended by it, go go buy the meat. Right. And enjoy enjoy your meal. <laughs> yeah. Now what we have to think about is how we affect a Christian brother in all of this, and I, I think right. that's what you were touching on. Yeah, and also the whole thing is, okay, like, if if I know that what they're doing is wrong, maybe I didn't know before. You know, people don't know. They 
we're so busy we don't know this, but then there's somebody that records something, you know, from these upper executives and they seem to have an agenda to do certain things. Yep. At that point now, I have information, I have knowledge. Right. So by doing it now, I can't do it by faith. It, it changes well, my knowledge. Paul actually. has a couple of things. Like one, there's a matter of conscience. Not everybody has the same conscience, <laughs> uh-huh. and that's tied to you know one's knowledge of, of a circumstance. Yeah. But, but I think the bigger issue is like he talks about stumbling a brother. Yeah. And, and I think it matters that we know what stumbling is because I think oftentimes that gets interpreted as like if you offend me, you've stumbled me. Right. So so if you as a Christian, you know, feel like you have the liberty to drink a beer and I'm a teetotaler, mm-hmm. then I'm offended, therefore you've stumbled me. That that's not what Paul's talking what about. Kind of, here. What kind of beer are we talking about? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an IPA. We're or talking stout? about a delicious okay. IPA. Okay. <laughs> yeah. None of those logs. PBR. Are, yeah. I, I'm going to um, circle back around to kind of what you were talking about in a minute. So okay. Yeah. Hold on to that. Sure. But what, what Paul talks about here in stumbling a brother is is that that recognizing that maybe you have a brother that has a weaker conscience than you, mm-hmm. and by your liberties, by your kind of stronger conscience, your behavior leads that brother into sin. That's the problem. Um, it, it's not talking about offense. It's talking about by my liberty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So again, if I feel a liberty to have a beer, but I know that you uh, were an alcoholic, right? And, and I'm exercising my liberty, and maybe in and of itself is not a sinful thing, but knowing that that might lead you into sin, um, then the Christian response would be to say, "I'm not going to do that around you because I love you, mm-hmm. because I care about you, mm-hmm. because um, you know I take that seriously, and I'm not going to. You know, I understand your conscience in the matter. I have a different conscience, but what's more important is." You know, my love for a brother, and so I'm not going to lead you into sin by my liberty. Yeah, I think there's, and we're going to kind of get back to this in a minute, but there's a difference between an individual conscience and corporate conscience. Mm-hmm. And I think the boycott mentality is this corporate conscience idea sure. that, that that is different than what we're seeing here. So individual conscience yeah. is a real thing, and we're going to talk about that more in a minute. Yeah, that, that's I'm a gonna, good distinction. I'm going to put you guys on the spot and ask you, you know, about your hard and soft boycotts. But before <laughs> before I get into that right. real quick, what are some of the problems for the Christian with the boycott approach? I mean, what, what, what are we, what's, what's kind of weird about it or wrong about it? It, it comes across oftentimes that, that we're trying to be the moral police of the world. Yeah. And, and I just, I don't know that that's always a good witness. And I'm not saying that we should never stand for moral issues. We should stand for moral issues. Mm-hmm. But when we're kind of trying to throw our weight around and, and kind of make a power play, um, that, that just doesn't seem like what Jesus would do. And I think it can be kind of a weird witness at I times. Think, I think people are different in where, in where they stand in their faith journey. I think that's got to be a huge thing. If, if, if your faith allows you to do that, then it's okay for you. If my faith doesn't allow me to do that, it's not okay for me. It could be the same yeah. thing. Romans 14 yeah. talks about that very yeah. thing. And whatever is not of faith yeah. is sin. Yep. You know, if you can't do this by faith, then it's then it's sin for you. Mm-hmm. Well, well, how comes they can do it? You know, what? Why is it okay for that? Well, it doesn't. They could still do it by faith. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the problems with the boycott approach when it comes to the idea of what we're doing in the world and, and how it comes across is is the idea of this coercion. Yeah. Everybody wears the same. I mean, the room. idea that you're going to put somebody's arm behind their back and and say be moral. Right. How, how's that going to work out? Does that does that create? Does that actually do we do we get what we're trying to? I mean, are, are we hitting the mark? Are we getting you know? Is the goal being accomplished if we can just have the kind of like a, a moral extortion right. take place? And because I think that's kind of what we did in America for a long time. We, we sure. forced people to be moral, or else, and people went along with that. And now we're we're kind of seeing that they're they're not going to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. 
And, and so we're, again, kind of thinking, oh, we'll show you. Oh, yeah? Well, we'll throw our right. money and our weight <laughs> behind here. and we'll, we'll make you be moral. What's the problem with that? It, it's not the mission of the church. I mean, I think we have to be conscious of, you know, why the church exists here in the world, and it's not to make the world more moral. Right? We, we have a mission to, to love sinners, to, to proclaim the gospel, um, you know, to, to present Christ in, in, our, in word and in deed in all that we do. Um, and so it's just not our job to coerce the world into being better. Well, and, and at the end of the day, does anybody end up saved with this, right. with this method? <laughs> and we want to see people meet Christ and be saved. And forced morality or forced coercion, you know, boycott kind of mentality. Maybe they'll be convicted of their sin and come to Christ. But, I mean, it seems like the weapons we've been given might be a little different. What weapons mm-hmm. have we been given as Christians to affect change in the world? Well, I mean, we can. There are fine Christian people that got involved in politics, let's say. Yeah. If you really want to change the way things, uh, you know, work in the world then you can get involved in politics. Although some people would say, well, that's a distraction. I mean, we just want to focus on preaching the gospel, and that's it. But we can also affect change by getting involved in the political system, too. So I suppose that would be one way of being the salt and the light, is being involved. And that goes back to the distinction that Brent made between individual and corporate, you know, kind of different aspects there. And and individuals, you know, yeah, get involved in those kinds of things and, and, and do so in the context of your faith. So you know, a- activism could be a weapon, um, and I think there are people that are called into those arenas and so forth. But, mm-hmm. but for the everyday, normal Christian, what weapons have we been given to affect change in the world? Prayer. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, think about how much, I mean, if we're just being honest, yeah. how, how often do we run to prayer as opposed to these other ideas of, you know, we, we generally leave that on the back table. Like, yeah. well, I'll get to that if I really get desperate, you know, but I look at what I can do with this you know, this stuff, and, and prayer is, I mean... It's a refreshing idea to, to go to God first rather yeah, than last. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would even add to, like, how we pray matters for these kinds of things because we can pray kind of out of our anger. Like, you know, these people are corrupt and they're moral, and, you know, we can pray, you know, that God, you know, would smite them or fix them or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but but maybe maybe the better prayer would be, you know, God, help me as I'm in a moral and corrupt world to, to be salt and to be light. Yeah. You know, yeah. rather than kind of praying from a place of anger, like praying from a place of compassion for people who are caught up in sin and blinded by sin. Mm-hmm. Making it matters. Yeah, I think obviously prayer, um, the preaching of the word, mm-hmm. letting God's word be known. Because I think a lot of times people aren't um, cut. You know, God's word has this, this ability to, like a two-edged sword, to, to cut somebody in, in a way that um, convicts them. And so preaching the Word of God, teaching the Word of God is a way that um, I think we're afraid mm-hmm. to do that. There's this self-silencing movement that's, that's going on right now where people are afraid to say anything that might get them canceled or get them, you know, somebody upset with them. But preaching the Word of God is, is absolutely um, right. a weapon we've been given. The sword For the, the purpose Spirit. of life transformation. It's got, the pur- it, yes. it's got to be effective. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, not just to condemn people and, and you know, I mean, in, in a judgmental, harsh way. Right. I mean, it's, it's, again, to try to try to win them to Christ is hopefully our, our goal. But sometimes that's done through condemnation. Sure. Even just, the motivation of that matters because we can proclaim the word from a place of anger. Right. Yeah. You, you guys don't measure up, and here's all the ways that you don't measure up right. know, to, to God's standard. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of this, you know, turn or burn, you know, kind of a, a message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or we can proclaim the word from a, complace, from a place of compassion. Well, the boycotts generally come across as extremely judgmental. Right. And kind of self-righteous. It doesn't come across in a very loving, I don't know, Christ-like way, I would would argue. But the biggest weapon that we have is the preaching of the gospel. If you want to see a life changed, transformed, Mm -hmm. um, that's that's the, you know, that's the big one. Yeah. Preach the the gospel and see see what it does. 
don't don't be don't uh, overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. Yeah, yeah. I think is the general principle. So, yeah. is is you know, it's kind of hard to say that that this is a good thing. This boycott is a good thing, and and that's not the goal of our instruction is to love. You know, right. I think it's in First Timothy, beginning of First Timothy one or two. The goal of our instruction is to love, but we get distracted. It's it. The, that's the big word for me: distraction. Yeah. We, we have to stay on miss, mission. I think you had mentioned that earlier. And I think maybe boycotts could be off mission if you really think about <laughs> it. You know, we talk about preaching the gospel, ch- changing people's lives. Do do uh, does a, does a boycott change people's lives? Well, and that's what I that's what I think is like. What, what's actually being threatened? I mean, if we if we were to ask the question when we're doing these boycott, boycotts, what are, what's actually being threatened? What are we what are we worried about? Mm-hmm. And it comes down to. I mean, really, this idea of a comfortable country that we live in with, with comfortable laws and moral people, and mm-hmm. it comes down, that's, that's a lot of it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily that we hunger and thirst for righteousness and see, want to see a soul saved. It's that I don't like the, I don't like the moral decay that I'm seeing around me, yeah. and I'm going to come in and do something about it. But I would just argue that the gospel is the, the most effective thing right. that we've been given to see that change. And, and again, you know, that's mostly done on an individual basis. It's not, it, it's really something we, each one of us has to take the time to go out and do. Right. Um, it doesn't mean, though, that we, we never take a stand for righteousness or that, that we don't, you know, want to see morality. I mean, I think we all want to see that. We should have a heart for that because it's God's heart to see mm-hmm. his creation live in a way that glorifies and honors him. Mm-hmm. But, but when it comes down to the way we do this, it seems like what we talked about before, this is probably going to be done more on an individual basis. Yeah than a corporate basis. Right. Uh, the church can make a corporate stand for sure, but I mean, when I think of, you know, are there places you guys won't shop personally? Oh, this is when you're putting us on the spot yeah. right now. <laughs> and I'm not talking about Jordan, like they, 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 let the, they let the mayonnaise out of my tuna and it's a hard boycott. I'm talking about yeah. more of a moral thing. I mean, have you guys, you don't even have to necessarily name them, but like, have you well, guys been convicted I, I, of them? I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into a Victoria's Secret. (laughs) (laughs) That might be for other reasons, but, you know, I I remember going to the mall and Stacy wanted to go in and, you know, pick up a few items, you know, and I'll just turn away and walk down, walk down the, you know, to something else, you know, but I, I I would have a hard time, you know, supporting, you know, something like that. That seems wise. (laughs) Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, more of a, more, more, maybe more of a, you know, you've decided, I don't know. I, mean, yeah, I, I don't have any places that I've like boycotted. I mean, I have some places where maybe I don't prefer to shop for whatever reason. Maybe mm-hmm. had a bad experience with, you know, service, you know, multiple times or you know whatever, and I, and I've just said, you know, I'm, I'll go somewhere else other than there. I wouldn't necessarily consider that a boycott. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing with boycotts, like it becomes a pretty slippery slope when you start boycotting, you know, especially like for moral reasons, like this company supports something I don't agree with, mm-hmm. you know, where, where's the end of that? Because when you start digging into, you know, corporations and what they support, yeah. um, you know, you're going to find that you probably disagree with a lot of things that well, a lot you of corporations support. Yeah, literally, that's what Paul's point was, that you you're, you're not going to be able to buy, you're not going to spend your money anywhere right. if you go down that road. The, right. Part of my problem with the boycott thing is that we, we begin to define the Christian life with what we don't do. Sure. And it, it, it almost it almost takes away the whole idea of let's be proactive and what about actually supporting companies? You know, that's that's the other side of the coin. Right. Supporting companies that do uh, invest, you know, wisely. Right. Just eat at Chick-fil-A every day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but some years ago I worked for a Christian life insurance company. Okay, I sold life insurance for a while. And our company invested in church mortgages. All of our reserves went into church mortgages. 
And I, and, and I would say to people, okay, uh, where are you investing your money? Well, do you have your perspectives? Well, okay, um, this, here's Anheuser-Busch, here's Philip Morris, and da 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 And they said, I didn't realize. Yeah. They, they wanted to invest in, in healthy companies that did something salt and light, but they didn't know. Yeah. So, the, but the boycott is like a reaction. What the other side of it is, well, let's find the, the companies that are good and, and, and run ethically, and let's yeah. invest in that. I think a big part of this for us is, is that it comes down to individual conscience and, right. and liberty. So if you, if you have a strong conviction that I shouldn't do business here, mm-hmm. that's your conviction between you and God. Exactly. Honor that conviction. Honor, <clears throat> honor your conviction before the Lord and do it as an act of worship to Him. Mm-hmm. But don't turn that into everybody else's conviction around you. Don't go on this campaign like, you know, boycott Starbucks yeah. um, and, and try to make everybody have that same conviction. That's one of the beautiful things about uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit and having His law written on our heart is, yes. that, is that He's going to convict you in a different way than He's going to convict me. Mm-hmm. And But hopefully at the end of the day, we, we, we realize we, we need to have some grace for the sinful world around us and some love and compassion and not just be this condemning, you know, I can't believe you're, you know, where would we be if it wasn't right. for God's intervention in our life? Doing but, the same stuff. What I just preached on last Sunday, you know, yeah. was laying up treasures in heaven. So one could ask the question, how does doing this lay up treasures in heaven? Yeah. You know, if we could just kind of make a few adjustments here, that might make a big, big difference in the salt and light, you know, component yeah. of mm-hmm. the church. Yeah, loving people when they are... Um, depraved and when they are you yeah. know, despicable and, and showing them grace and compassion and, and offering them the love of God is probably going to have a bigger impact than right. <laughs> coming in with, you know. I mean, it, well, it could be missional and strategic to, yeah. to frequent an establishment that yeah. you might not agree with some things that they support for the express purpose of showing the love of Christ yep. um, you know, to people. And if you hate yeah. the moral decay that we see around us, get on your knees. Yeah. You know, be 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 about the word of God. You know, proclaiming that in a loving way, and and preach the gospel to people that need to desperately hear it. Yes, and I think that's absolutely. going to be far more effective than than some of this other stuff. So, well, what about you? You have covenants to boycott. We got, there you go. You, you got to answer the question that's too. That's right. Um, you know, what? I, there's there's times when I you know I just recently canceled Netflix. I just thought between part of it was costing too much money, and just some of the there's points where I just start to see what they're pushing and, and the propaganda. When I feel mm-hmm. like propaganda is being shoved down my throat, mm-hmm. I start to get really irritated by it. And there's a couple of shows recently, like Stranger Things, we've watched it on and off and yeah. tried to watch it this time. And again, it was just literal propaganda, trying to force these same-sex relationships down my throat in a yeah. way that I just get tired of it. And I thought, you know what? Why am I, you know, just, I'm not going to give my money at this point. Hopefully, because I've already seen it happening, there, there's this idea, there's, you know, that phrase, you know, get woke, go broke. Uh, but it, it is starting to have an effect on people. And, and so, like, maybe maybe that's just a small thing that, that I do. Again, I'm not going to write a letter to my congressman. Or, right. I, maybe that's a fine thing to do, too. I don't know. <laughs> it's just a small thing. But I thought, I'm canceling. They asked why I canceled. And I said, I just don't I don't appreciate some of the program that I feel is, you know, goes against some of my beliefs. And, and I try to do it in a loving way. But um, mm-hmm. Discovery is the same way. It's like, I just get tired of seeing some of the, the forced propaganda. Yeah. And so. I got into, I got into yeah. Facebook in 2017. And I've seen some good things on Facebook, but there's a lot of bad things, mm-hmm. too. So, um, for example, I think <clears throat> maybe I need to rephrase my answer, give you another answer. Um, so th- they started talking about all the pronouns. And, right. they, and they had these, like, tutorials about, okay, <laughs> these are pronouns that you can use. These are pronouns. That, and I thought to myself, this is social media, but it's not indoctrination. Yeah. So at that point, I just zipped my app off my phone because I didn't want to I didn't want to waste any more time you know on Facebook 
when I go on, you know, trainings, I'll put up things because I want to be a salt, the salt and light. Right. And they're still letting me put those things up there in Facebook. But I don't need to, to expose myself to all that stuff because it is indoctrination. Yeah. When it gets to that point. No, and I think that's mm-hmm. where you, st- you have to just be, again, this is a matter, matter of conscience. For me, yeah. I, I got to the point where I felt like that's exactly what was happening and I just didn't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. I just, nah, I'm done. Um, but I, I don't, I'm not going to start a campaign to boycott, you know. And I don't know that it would matter at all anyway <laughs> if I did. So anyway, that's a good discussion. I think it's a, it, it's a hard one because I think we all want to see. Uh, I long for the kingdom where righteousness, his yeah. righteousness prevails. Oh, and I can't yeah. wait for that day. But um, the method he's given us to affect that now is, is the preaching of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yep. So absolutely, that's what we need to be about. Okay. We're good. gonna we're gonna dive into this hymn because I don't I don't want to shortchange this here and it's kind of a are we saying hard boycott on boycotts or soft boycott on boycotts? I would do uh, <laughs> individual conscience. Uh, yeah, corporate boycotts. I'm not a fan of yeah, hard boycott on corporate boycotts. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Anyway. All right, <laughs> all right. So the, the the idea of the hymns I mentioned, you kind of you, you guys have done a couple of them now already. But I was talking with somebody one day um, who's mm-hmm. been in the church for a long time, and, and they were saying they like to sing hymns, but they really don't understand the theology that's in them. They don't understand what they're singing. And I thought, well, that's kind of, you know, probably not, if this one person that's been around for a long time feels this way, there's probably other people in the church. And, and we, you know, why do we like to sing hymns at the door? I'll ask Pastor Chad. Yeah. Is, because they're theologically rich. Yes, they are. They, they tell us about who God is and what God has done for us, uh, rather than like, like kind of more modern worship songs can focus on like how I feel in a given moment or mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, kind of, you could sing the song of Jesus or your girlfriend, and it might work either way. <laughs> we don't like those kinds of songs. Yeah, um, yeah. I think when, are just rich. when we walk into church on a Sunday morning, some of us have just had you know one of the worst mornings trying to get the kids ready, trying to get you know you're at church, but you're just and then it's to sing the song about I love you with all my heart, I'm devoted to you, I will never fail you again. I can't, I can't, you know, I can rarely sing those mm-hmm. songs even when I'm doing well. Right, and and, and that's what a lot of modern worship has become is, is very private like stuff you might be able to sing in earnest mm-hmm. when you're in the car mm-hmm. driving after you know but maybe not corporately we can you know sing something like that and so hymns don't focus on what we feel they focus on what we know to be true yep. and I really like that yeah. um, and so the one we're going to be looking at today is, is Come Now Fount written by a guy named Robert Robertson in 1758 the, the, the quick little story about kind of his life is that he was a, a rebellious ute his, uh, his dad passed away when he was eight, and so his mom was, was trying to raise him, and, and he was a bit of a handful for his mom, so she sent him off to London. Uh, he he to Maybe I think it was a barber school is what I heard, but he got caught up with a notorious group of hoodlums. I'm picturing, you know, oh. yeah, hoodlums. Utes and hoodlums. A notorious group of hoodlums. That was, I just, that's great. And he started living a debauched life. I almost have to just describe this before we start describing the answer. Yeah. Um, but he got into trouble. And, and one, of the, one of the amazing th- things is uh, one of my favorite preachers is George Whitfield. Mm-hmm. This guy would just go out and open air preach, and uh, the miners would come out of the, you know, and here's this, this goofy-looking dude, really, with the kind of white buns. He almost had Princess Leia buns on his hair and white, but it was, I don't know if it was a wig, but you see pictures and you're like, that's yeah. not all right, dude. Uh, anyway, I, I digress. But he would preach the gospel to these miners coming out of the mines who were covered with coal, and they would hear this guy preach, and you could see where the tears had just washed the coal away from their faces because he was such a... Yeah. And the dude literally killed himself preaching. He preached... I, you, you do the math and see how many sermons he preached in the short time he lived. Mm-hmm. He was probably preaching three or four times a day. Um, it's nuts. And I don't know if it was the same sermon or different. But this, uh, this, this uh, group of hoodlums went to harass Whitfield... Uh, one day because he was preaching and so they go to they go to you know give him trouble 
and and uh, Robert Robertson hears Whitfield preaching, and it it, it gets to him. It it digs in, and so it, it was it was a while before it really took effect. But he was he was convicted that day, and eventually came to Christ a few years later. And then uh, the the hymn that he's most famous for writing is this one, "Come Thou Fount." So you know he's got kind of this troubled past. Comes to Christ, and 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 this is part of the reason why I think we all love this hymn, is we can relate to some of the lyrics that are in it. But it starts out with the phrase, um, "Come thou fount of every blessing." So what does that mean? What's he talking about there? When, when we come to Christ, like it, <clears throat> I mean, like it just—it's a fount of blessing, right? You think of a fountain that just is always, you know, spewing, you know, water. Yeah. Um, you know, in a constant way, and you know, coming to Christ is a fount um, of every blessing yeah. that we've been blessed with. Every blessing the Bible tells us, um, yeah. And it's an invitation. He's saying, "Come, come, come," and he's talking to God. You come, you know, God. You are the fount of every blessing. Come. Yeah, and then I Jesus, Jesus approached the woman at the well, and he said, you, "You'll you'll thirst again, living water." Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if but but with, but with this with this well. You know, it'll rise up to living water eternally. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 always gonna grace upon grace. Yeah. And the next line is actually I love this. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. What, what do you what do you just what is that? You just got goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> you know, come yeah. come God, tune my heart. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just it's like he's like I'm an instrument, you know, like you tune a guitar, and he's saying tune tune my heart to sing about your grace. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. beautiful. I even think about you know what you preach recently about you know treasures in heaven and that you know where your treasure is there your heart will be also mm-hmm. um, you know is our heart aimed at the things of this world or is it aimed you know towards heaven and eternity yeah and then streams of mercy never ceasing so you have this this idea of this fountain this flowing fountain just like you were describing chad and the living water just streams of mercy that never cease and then he says they call for songs of loudest praise as he's experiencing mm-hmm. this fount this fountain of mercy and blessing and grace. Yep. He's saying it, it, it makes me want to sing out with the loudest praise I can possibly offer. It's pretty yeah. cool. I mean, he, yeah. he focuses on the character of God. Yeah. And then our proper response to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And the next line is, again, kind of a weird one. Teach me some melodious sonnet. <laughs> and we sing these things in church, and it's like, oh, do we even know what this is? So yeah. uh, teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. What is that talking about? <laughs> yeah, the, the flaming tongues above, that's where it starts to get weird. It does a little bit. <laughs> like, hey, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but he's asking, like, in this call to, like, to tune my heart uh, to sing your grace, that, like, teach me the song. <laughs> teach yeah. me the song of your grace that comes not, not from below, but that comes from above and having a heart aimed yeah. upwards. <clears throat> the filling of the Holy Spirit produces, uh, in Ephesians, it says, singing songs hymns and spiritual songs. Yeah. So I think there's there's a sense in which as we're al- aligned with um, the Spirit of God, you know, then, then we're going to sing these songs, these yeah. sonnets, you mm-hmm. know. Isn't that cool? I mean, is it, there, yeah. some people move towards the Holy Spirit with the flaming tongues idea. Some were talking about like angelic songs. But basically, there's songs being sung up in heaven, God, that you really like. Yeah. Like your favorite songs are being sung. Or, teach teach right. me. Teach me those. Teach me these songs. <laughs> what songs do you want to hear? Teach me these songs, Lord. I want to sing what you yeah. want me to sing. And that's kind of, you see the heart of just, I want to worship you in a way that makes you happy, Lord. And I love I'm, that. I'm getting yeah. to appreciate this song. It's so good. <laughs> I mean, they're so rich when you just look yeah. at them. And then he says, praise the mount. I'm fixed upon it, the mount of God's redeeming love. Yeah. What's he talking about there? Mm. 
again, just being being fixated with heaven and eternity and what God has done for us mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. his, his vast, uh, unending, unchanging love for us. What do, you, what do you think he means by Mount? Well, I don't know if it's talking about Mount Zion, if it's talking about the place of God, you know, the, the place well, he where he resides. Well, he says the Mount of God's redeeming love is kind of the answer there. So, he's, yeah, okay. you know, he's fixed upon this. This and You picture this guy whose life was troubled, mm-hmm. and he got off on the wrong paths and everything, and now he's saying, you know, uh, praise the, this mountain, this mount, this, this thing I'm standing on. I'm fixed upon it. It's the mount of God's redeeming love. Yeah. That yeah. God grabbed yeah. him and you know, placed his feet on a solid rock, like Psalm 40 says. And, yeah. and he's just saying, I'm, I'm on this solid ground of, of God's redeeming love now. Yeah. I mean, you could even have Calvary in view uh, in that. Yeah. You know, the, 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 sure. the, the cross. Yeah. You know, the, the, the greatest display of God's love that's absolutely. towards humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is what happened on the cross, and, and that's what we. That's good. That's just one off. verse, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there stands or whatever you call. It. Anyway, the next one is kind of funny. We sing this one, and, and I, you know, I wonder what people think when we sing it. But here I raise my Ebenezer. What in the world are you talking about? Yeah, you better take that one. <laughs> <laughs> we name churches that way, Ebenezer Church. I think most people yeah. think of Ebenezer Scrooge. Right. <laughs> yeah, they're saying, what are you talking about? Over at David's house, he has a little fire pit, and we, we didn't know what to call the poker, and one day we called it the Ebenezer because we're like, you know, so we, we raised the Ebenezer. When we kind of, uh, it really it comes from 1 Samuel chapter 7 um, when Samuel is talking about uh, how God was his helper and, and so they built a monument to God that, mm-hmm. that was called the Ebenezer the stone of help mm-hmm. and it's really the idea of when, when God does something amazing in our lives yeah. we can mm-hmm. turn around and forget about it in a week or a day or an hour that's how we are and so in the Old Testament they would build up these stones these Standing. monuments yeah. so that when they walked by they would remember the helper yeah. remember oh, when yeah. God helped us here that's remember when God did this so, so here, here I raise yeah. my Ebenezer uh-huh. he's saying my I'm, monument. I'm going to remember what God has done and then, he, and then he says, hither by thy help I've come. So here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come. What does that mean? So the Ebenezer, let me just, Sorry. would it be like a spiritual marker? Like, like, like there was some teaching that came out some time ago about spiritual markers. You know, where, where are your spiritual markers? When you look back at your spiritual journey, you know, what do you see as a spiritual marker? That might be an Ebenezer. I think it could be a yeah. spiritual one or a physical one. I don't think, you know, there, you could literally... Put up a monument if you wanted to, and yeah. so every time you walk through your house, you look at it and be like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> God's faithful," because we yeah. forget He's faithful. Yes, you yeah. know. And this guy's saying, "No, no, I'm not going to forget His faithfulness to me because you know I'm going to raise my Ebenezer. I'm going to set this thing up so I don't forget how good God is." Yeah. Yep. And then he says, "Hither by Thy help I've come." Yeah. So, so remembering what God has done, remembering how God has helped you in the past. I think it was a, they called it a Chuckism, but I think Chuck Smith was famous oh. for saying that, that God's past faithfulness demands our present trust. And, and it's the idea of, of remembering God's faithfulness in our life when we're going through it right now, that God was faithful back then. Yes. There's no reason that he's not going to be faithful right now. And that's exactly what he's saying, up to this point. So hither is one of those weird old English words, but it just means up to this point. Mm-hmm. Up to this point, by your help. I've gotten to this. This is yeah. You know, this is how I've gotten here now. It's it's hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's like it's just so good. Yeah, I don't know. I think we would we would call that the, the doctrine of the perseverance yeah. of the saints. That yeah. you know all that's been given to Christ by the Father that He's not going to lose any. Of, everyone's going to make it home. Yeah. You've been faithful to right. me up to this point. Yeah. I'm trusting you to be faithful to get me to the end. Yeah. And it's really all reliance upon God, not not yeah. what we can do, but what yeah. He can right. do. His faithfulness, so, not ours. Yeah. A lot of times, Christians, uh, anyone, 
remember the things they should forget mm -hmm. and forget the things they should remember. The, the things that we should really, mem really remember are the things that God's done for us. The, every time that we put our trust in Him and we're dependent on Him, He always came through. So I think what He's saying here, in a sense, is remember. Yeah. Remember all those good things. He yeah. never let us down. I think of the amazing grace. Sorry, I'm switching hands, but you know, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Yeah. It was grace mm -hmm. that's brought me safe thus far. And guess what's going to bring me home? Yeah. Grace, Grace is going to bring me home. That's the same idea. Yep. I love it. Um, and then he kind of talks about who he was and what God did for him. You know, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that shows that, like, Again, God's work, not ours. Yeah. We, we were wandering from the fold of God, so we, we were going in the opposite direction of God. Yeah. And he pursued us, and he came after us. Yeah. Uh, and he uh, proactively, um, you know, by the work of Christ on the cross, um, rescued us from this danger, so the, the danger of sin and the danger of hell. My, my, uh, someone in my family did not like the hymn, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus, because he thought, well, it's not, I haven't decided. Yeah. It's God chased me down. It's very Armenian. Yeah. It's not Calvinist. <laughs> right. But, but Actually, there is a cool story behind that one. I would look, we, we sure should we'll do that to. one. But it's it's uh, it's about a pastor whose life was being threatened mm. and his family was being threatened. And they were like, deny Christ or we will kill you. And I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. He okay. Keeps, yeah. he's, he, like he was, the things he was saying became that song. It's like, I'll get the waterworks going. I'm even trying to think about it. So <laughs> okay. I'm not going there, but that's good. What does interposed mean? That's That's the big you know, $5 theological word in there. Yeah. Uh, he, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Applied. Applied is good. Good, simple way of saying it. It really just, it, it means um, to place or insert between one thing and another. So, so, to, so to come between. So in order to rescue me from danger, he, he got between me and, 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 you know, he interposed his precious blood. He put that between, you know, and it, it's really the idea of, the, the, being the propitiator, the one that's, that yeah. appeased God's wrath, the one that kind of An stepped, in, stepped yeah. in front of that bullet yeah. almost. That's the way yeah. I kind of see it is, is God's wrath is pointed at me and, and Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, comes between us and takes the bullet. Yep. It's just and like, his, wow. his work, not ours. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, it sure is. Interposed. Yeah. Don't forget that one. Okay. All right. So then he goes in to just talk about, um, um, you know, what, how grateful he is. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Um, so he, he, again, talking about the debt that he owes, basically that, that every day he, he's just constrained to, to understand the debt that he owes, yeah. the debt that he could never pay back, um, the cost that, that, you know, that God paid. And, and every day he just is constrained to just think on that. Yeah, the Apostle Paul said the love of the love of Christ compels me, mm -hmm. and he talked about Strings, love. Yeah. yeah, he talked about love here earlier, in, in that, and that now he's saying yeah. I'm compelled or, or I'm constrained, yeah. you know, to move in this. Not because yeah. I'm doing it to accept to be accepted, but I'm doing it from acceptance. Right, mm -hmm. and he even talks about in that that, <laughs> that they regard people no longer according to the flesh. Mm -hmm. Right, that, that you don't look at someone and, and you know look down on them and, and point, but like. This guy's a debtor. I'm a debtor. Christ has done this for me. Therefore, you know, the love of Christ compels me mm -hmm. to, to go to you and say, look, yeah. you're kind of the idea. I think we brought it before, like one beggar showing the other beggar where to find the bread. Yeah. Yeah. When you think about, you know, the way we consider our debt before God, like I need to try better. I need to, you know, be 
run harder. I need to be, you know, and he's saying, no, I'm a debtor to grace. That's uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that's, God's giving me his grace, and that's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. what I'm a debtor to daily. Um, and then uh, this is a good one, because another word that we might not understand, but he says, let, let your goodness, let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. What's that about? Well, <clears throat> I'll let you talk <laughs> out. Well, just because I, I cheated on this one already. That's uh, right. So like, it's like a chain. Yeah, a fetter Hand, is like a chain. Handcuffs. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, handcuffs. So, so that, that we're bound, um, you know, to God's goodness. That, that we're our our wandering heart is bound, uh, like as Christ has a hold of us. You know, again, mm. going back to the perseverance of the saints. Um, you know, we're not going to wander in a way that we're not going to make it home as as followers of Christ because of how we're bound to Him. Yeah, there's you know when you read this, it brings up all these scriptures. That's what I oh, really love great. about this. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I'm thinking I'm thinking about okay, Paul said that that Jesus leads us in a triumphal procession. Mm-hmm. And he compares that to the Romans when they conquered, that, that they would tie up people in chains and all, and then, and then parade them you know, back to Rome as, you know, we, you know, we conquered. Mm-hmm. So I think you know, what Paul is saying is, I'm chained to Christ, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. you know, his grace. And, 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 and now well, I love that he says goodness. Like, so, yeah. so, so I, I want to be chained to, you, to your goodness. Not, not like, not like your judgment like a fetter, not right. like right. Your, your frown or your right. disappointment your would be like a fetter. Uh-huh. Your goodness. Yeah. Let me remember how good you are, and, and may that bind my heart to you. And then he, the, here's the yeah. famous line that we all you know, know prone, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. After all he's just yeah. said, all he's acknowledged, so the goodness, the grace, the fount, yeah. the. He's Roman still, 7, he's believer still, or unbeliever. Yeah, yeah. He's still prone yeah. to do this thing that just kills me when I. Because I, whenever I sing this, I think. That's me, yeah. Lord. I'm the guy that's prone to wander. Well, this uh, might be a silly analogy, mm. but my mind just kind of went to remember. I don't know if these are a thing now because I haven't seen them in a while. But like when I was a kid, like having a leash on your kid was a thing, right? Remember those? And like you go to like you know a theme park it's or whatever, and, now. and, and you'd yeah. see you know parents that have these leashes on their kids, and, and not because they're mean, but because they love their kids and they don't want their kids to wander off into the crowd and get yeah, lost. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what he's. That's really there. his prayer: is yeah. God chain my heart to Thee. Yeah. I'm prone to wander. I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it yeah. for Thy courts above. Yeah. Just beautiful language. Love yeah. it. And we just talked about being sealed by the Holy Spirit. Yes. You know, uh, I wasn't here, but you guys yeah. talked about it, and, and it just reminds me of that. You know, here's my heart. God, take and seal yeah. it. You you put your seal on it. It's yeah. yours. Belongs to you, and and you know the idea that he won't lose it. We can't get out of his hand. And, and what I love about yeah. this too is is the whole idea that we have a we're constantly dependent on the Lord. You know, each and every moment we we feel yeah. that you know we're prone to wonder every moment. It's not like okay, I I accepted you. Now I've got you know that I've got it all taken care of. You know, yeah. I'll let you know if I need any help. But he's saying I really really need you on a moment by yeah. moment basis. Yeah, it's so sad to know that he knows all this good this good stuff about God and how great he is and the goodness of the gospel, the goodness of Christ. And then he just says, I still want to walk away sometimes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I just and I know that everybody that's a Christian gets that and it's I just loved his his honesty in this, you know, yeah. sometimes it's like it's like David sometimes he would write a song for people to sing and it's like you you're this is about your sin and your your failure and it's like, yeah, but it's refreshing to see honesty he, like and this. And I yeah. think I think if you look at the if you look at his history, there's some melancholic behavior with that yeah. this guy got into, and I think his his need for Christ, and he knew that he could he could get pretty dark here. Yeah. He needed to focus on 
some yeah. melodious sonnet. Right. And even the faithfulness of God, because we're not faithful, but he is. And, yeah. and, you know, the idea of the perseverance of the saints, you know, he will, we will persevere till the end. If we are in Christ, nobody can take us out of his hand. And, yep. and I love that it's not up to me, it's up to him. Mm-hmm. Which and, is and something like this, like you can sing this on your best days and you can sing this on your worst I days. I love that too, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah, you could just kick the dog and fought with your family yeah. and, you know, yelled at the kids in the car and then you walk into church, you can sing this song. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you just can. Yep. It's good. Okay, we're, we're bringing it home with the, the final verse. This is one that, uh, it's interesting, it was in the song and then they took it out of the song and then they brought it back in and changed it a little bit. I think Sovereign Grace Ministries came in and kind of changed it, but it's good. So it says, Oh, that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face. Full arrayed in blood-washed linen, how I'll sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Bring thy promises to pass. For I know thy power will keep me till I'm home with thee at last. Just yeah. it's good. Again, God, God's work and yep. not ours. So the change that came was what? What was the change? What was it? What did it used to be? The what changed his heart? You mean? Well, yeah. The lyrics. Oh, you said that they changed the lyrics a little. Oh, bit. Um, I can't remember. I didn't write them down. I, I have I a different it, I th- I version a here that I, that I have pulled up. I don't know if it was the pre-change, but this is a uh, the Chris Rice version. Does it start with oh, oh that day from when freed from sinning? Yeah, but it's different than what you just yeah, read. read it. So it says, "Oh that day when freed from sinning, I shall see thy lovely face, clothed then in blood washed, clothed clothed then in blood washed linen." I will sing thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Take my ransomed soul away. Send mine angels now to carry me to realms of endless days. I think that might have been the original. Yeah. And they just changed it slightly a different. Bit there, but, but either way, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a song I love to sing in church. It's one that uh, just makes much of God and, and kind of puts the proper perspective on who we are and who he is and what he's done. And, yep. and, uh, and it's a hopeful song. So, um, yes. you know, so next time you sing it, maybe... I'm pretty bad because when I'm singing songs, I'm usually trying to focus on just hitting the notes right, and so I'm not yeah. always thinking of the lyrics. <laughs> and so even to stop sometimes and read what what we're th- and, and meditate yeah. on it, yeah, it's not scripture, um, but it's bathed in in the truth of the right. gospel. And so I, I love these. I think they're just you know they get me they get me uh, excited when I read them. Obviously, <laughs> and, and now that we know what Ebenezer's and Fetters are, yeah. like, it changes everything. That's it right. helps to renew our minds when we when yeah. we read when we read these. Yeah. And yeah. Well, and I appreciate you know it's cool that we. Uh, we have a, kind of songs that we prefer, and, and, and Thomas has been really good about working with us on these to, to bring them, you know. I, I know that there's some of them are new to him, but I, I appreciate that we are, as a church, singing these songs yeah. and kind of um, holding to kind of this, this rich heritage. So. Well, and what's cool about it, and maybe a bit of a side note, but what's cool about it is like we don't, you know, we, we don't plan, like I know a lot of churches will plan, you know, like the sermon and the songs that go along with the sermon. And mm-hmm. yeah. you know, we're, we're not that sophisticated or advanced here to do that. But it seems that like it just always works when we do these kind of, like we, we preach the gospel uh, in our sermons. And then when we close with songs like this, like it just works and we don't really have to plan it to say this song would go with this sermon because it's all, you know, centered on the gospel. Yeah, when the, when the worship leader asks, you know, what, what do you got? You just, we're going to try to make much of Christ. And if you would also make much of Christ, we'll be, we'll be doing good. That's, yes, that's what we try to do. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. Well, when do you guys want to pray us out? Sure, I could do that. <clears throat> Father, we're just so grateful for the elevated conversation. Um, just seems um, like it, it, it was so complimentary to talk about boycotts at, at first and, and then to talk about you. And we can see that, that you want us to focus on, on your heart, on, on your character. And, and as we take this, this hymn, it just causes us to smile and, and, and to realize that 
We serve a, a living Savior. We, we serve someone who is worthy of our praise. And, and we, we want to be completely dependent on you moment by moment, God. Thank you for this discussion. Uh, thank you for the blessing of, of having fellowship with these men. And we ask uh, all this and just proclaim your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come now, fount of every blessing. <laughs> Flood us, man. It's great. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, appreciate and, it. Uh, yeah. You bet. Yeah, love to do it. Serve the Lord today. Yeah. yeah. See you all next amen. week. All right. Thanks for tuning in to One Decent Pastor. If you'd like more information about the church, go to our website at thedoor3r.org.